So good morning and welcome to week number three of Ugly Christmas Sweater. And I got to admit, y'all look beautiful in your ugly sweaters. And uh, I don't know, I'm real, uh, I'm real happy about last week uh, I, I turned on the uh, internet and I, I turned on the internet like the internet was off. I turned on my computer and watched the service online and I was thrilled to see Kendall in an elf sweater. Uh, and if you know anything about Elf, uh, that is very, very rare. He is not a fan of the movie at all, so pray for him. But maybe one day he will see the light. He'll come around. Um, he wasn't wearing purple, though, so that's a good thing. But we won't see. You're going to wear purple next week. You all got to be here next. If he's wearing purple next week, I, I will believe that whenever uh, when I see it. But anyway, last week was great. Good job, team. Uh, I hated uh, being gone, but uh, we had a good time at my brother's church as well. Uh, this has been a fun series to preach. Have any of you uh, witnessed any ugliness yet this holiday season? Has anybody seen some ugliness? Okay. Have any of you been a reason for that ugliness? And some of you, okay, good, good. Some of you are admitting to it. We're getting places. This is wonderful. Uh, this has been a fun series to preach. I hope it's been meaningful uh, to you. I hope it's been beneficial for you. Uh, two weeks ago, we kicked off our series by taking a look at how the battle begins in our minds. And if we get our thinking right, then our, our, uh, our uh, actions are going to be better. And, and today we're going to talk about how our motives will be better. But, but a couple of weeks ago, or uh, last week, we talked about words uh, being better. Next week, we'll talk about actions. But uh, we talked about how the battle begins in our minds and how we need to be concentrating on the good and the holy and the pure and the excellent. And if anything's praiseworthy, think about these things. And then Kendall talked about how our ugly thoughts can turn into ugly words if we're not careful. This week, we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to take a look at some things that Jesus had to say against ugly motives. Uh, because we all have motives, don't we? We're all motivated by something. Just the fact that you came here today to worship, uh, you were motivated by something or someone to, to be here. And so there are certain things in our lives that, uh, for lack of better terms, kind of moves our needle, if you will. And there are some things that don't. There are some reasons why we do certain things. There are reasons why we accomplish certain things. There's reasons why we don't. I heard about a grandmother in Montana who decided that she would try to motivate some drivers in a certain school district, and so she tried to motivate them by the fear of a speeding ticket, and so she got a lawn chair, and she sat in her lawn chair outside of the local elementary school with a hair dryer in her hand that looked like a radar gun, and she just pointed that hair dryer at cars that would go by and I guess they thought it was a radar gun it had incredible effects cars started slowing down uh, for fear that they might get a speeding ticket they eventually made her a volunteer trooper for her work and uh, in, isn't that awesome that yeah give that she ain't gonna hear us but give her a hand you know uh, fear can be a great 
motivator, and so can many other things. Things like love. Love can motivate us to do amazing things. Things that we never thought we would ever do. Concern for others will motivate us to do certain things. Sometimes our greed will help us or motivate us to do things. It won't help us. It'll motivate us. Uh, sometimes just winning. I know that uh, that will motivate certain people, just the thought of winning. Oftentimes our selfishness will be something that motivates us. And so the list goes on and on and on and on. And truthfully, at Christmas, sometimes our motives are great, and sometimes they're not. The most wonderful time of the year, as the song goes, sometimes is not so wonderful. Sometimes it's tarnished by our ugly thoughts and our ugly words and our ugly motives. I remember mine and Stacy's first Christmas. I think I've told you this story before, but I really put a lot of thought into what I wanted to get Stacy for Christmas. It was our first Christmas together. I wanted it to be very, very special, something that she would remember for the rest of, of our lives. And so I went all over Brazil, and I went all over Terre Haute, and I found the perfect gift, and I purchased the perfect gift, and I wrapped it up, it, it was something that I knew every young lady would dream of getting for Christmas. A new bowling ball. Um, right? I mean, isn't that what every young, any young ladies out here, right? Okay, maybe I missed the mark on this one just a little bit. Man, I'm quite the romantic person. I know, and I don't want to brag, but I did get her shoes as well uh, and a bag. But... But, but here, here's the deal. I thought it would be a great gift. I thought it would be fun, but I was motivated by what I wanted her to, to have by the fact that I knew it would be something that she might want to go do with me because I was really into bowling. I mean, at one point in my life, I wanted to be a professional bowler. Don't laugh. All right, I really wanted to be, and I was really into it. And the gift that I got her, while I thought it was kind of cool, was very selfish of me, and she used it, and it was, you know, it was all right. But anyway, uh, it was mostly for me. And here's what happens. Every single day, each one of us makes decisions based on motivations. And a lot of those decisions were motivated by how it affects us. And so the mark of a Christian is someone who is motivated by love for Jesus, love for other people, the, the, the truth that we need to be treating people uh, better than we treat ourselves. But the problem is this. We are tempted by our sinful nature to want to put ourselves first. But the Bible teaches us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can over this. We can follow the example of Jesus. We can rise above our selfish motives and we can serve others and we can make a difference in our world. Uh, during his earthly ministry, Jesus was particularly interested in people's motives and the reasons why they did what they did. And one of those stories that is recorded for us is found in Matthew chapter 6. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount beginning uh, in, in verse 1, Jesus is talking to the crowd that's gathered there, and he says this. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. And so here's what was happening. Jesus is speaking to a group of people here who are focused too much on the rules and the regulations. They're too focused on living out the law, living by the letter of the law, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. They're trying to look righteous in front of others. They're trying to look righteous in front of their friends. Their passion to look spiritual was more important to them than actually being spiritual. Looking Spiritually healthy was more important to them than actually being spiritually healthy. And so Jesus' issue was not with what they were doing because their actions were good. Their individuals and the, uh, uh, that they were serving, the things that they were doing for other people, all of those things were good. Uh, giving to the needy is a good thing. Praying and fasting, those are good things. But Jesus was more interested in why they were doing what they were doing. And here's the reality of the matter. Sometimes we do the right thing with the wrong motives. Would you agree with me on that? You know? Sometimes we do the right thing with the wrong motives. And ugly motives can nullify our witness to the world. The Christmas season is full of opportunities to serve other people. We've got all kinds of uh, chances to go out and serve people and meet needs of people in our community, maybe even in our families. But here's how some people are wired. Some people see these opportunities to be generous as a way to receive praise for their generosity. And so some people will drop money in a Salvation Army bucket maybe and they hope that it rings loud enough for everyone to hear an earshot to say, oh, here's, you know, here's, here's what I did. Or they make sure that they tell the story of how they went down to the soup kitchen and they served all day long in hopes that someone might acknowledge them. Jesus said, if you do that, you've, you've already received any reward in full. If people stand and say, hey, great job. That's all, that's all you're, you're going to get. You have received your reward in full. And so if you get the applause, you get the recognition that you might desire from other people, that, that's the end of it. And there are some people, I know some people, who just do the good deeds that they do so they can receive the recognition uh, and the praise. They want the trophy or they want the medal or they want the reward, whatever the case may be. They want the attaboy. They want to be recognized by others. Every year the, the movie industry comes together early in the year and, and they have this massive celebration, this massive awards ceremony. They talk about it for weeks, even months leading up to the awards ceremony. All of Hollywood looks forward to the night where everyone comes together and they honor one another for the work that they've been doing the previous year, right? Everybody knows what's that called? Okay, just see if you're paying attention. All right, some of you have got it. Are, are we awake? Are we good? Do I need to turn the sweater up a couple notches? Okay, good. All right, we're good. It's a fascinating thing to watch. 
You know, people show up and they, you know, they, they're all decked out in, 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 in these amazing outfits. And some of them are amazing. Some of them, there's not a whole lot of outfit there. But anyway, they put dresses and tuxedos and, and they're worth thousands of dollars. And, and limousines are rented and the red carpet is rolled out and the paparazzi shows up. And everybody's just swarmed around all of these people. And millions of people all over the country, they tune in their televisions to watch thousands of people gather together and give gold statues to one another honoring and praising them for pretending to be something that they're not the pinnacle of success for these people the pinnacle of everyone's career every actor that ever acts what they strive for every big screen actor or actress strives to win that coveted gold statue the oscar and in this moment of recognition they feel that it immortalizes their names and movie fans throughout all the ages will remember them and that moment of recognition is granted to those who have done the best job of pretending to be something that they're not and screenwriters and directors and producers, they're all, all of them are also honored for their contributions. They're given Oscars because of their talent in creating a world that doesn't really exist. Now, I have no qualms with quality entertainment. In fact, this afternoon, I'm probably going to go watch Spider-Man. Anybody with me? One of All right, great. You and me. All right, we'll do this. All right, very good. I have nothing against entertainment, but if... You know, if, if the cynical side comes out and you like it does me sometimes, I think it seems a little bit ridiculous that millions of dollars would be spent and so much fuss would be made and so many people would be elevated to godlike status for playing make-believe. Right? Why should anyone be so recognized? Why should somebody be so praised? Why should somebody be so looked up to, even idolized, for pretending to be something that they're not? But the reality is, you and I are no different. Think about it. In every aspect of our lives, a lot of times we're performing we're hoping to be recognized. We're hoping to be praised. We're hoping to be rewarded for our performance. We're hoping that someone might give us that pat on the back or that attaboy or that girl for appearing to be something that we might actually not be. Now, it seems to me that, I mean, you can play that game if you want, but the Bible teaches us that there's a greater reward if we have this willingness to serve other people without needing all of the recognition. Rather than just getting the applause from someone for doing something uh, good for someone else or someone who serves in humility, that develops character that is far worth more than any award that we can receive. Receiving the praise of people means absolutely nothing if we're letting our Savior down. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason, it can cost us our ability to grow into the person that God wants us to be. It can stunt our spiritual growth. And I've been guilty of it. I'm still guilty of it sometimes. I have to battle that. So do you. We all do. And the very way in which Jesus came to us at Christmas time 
it gives us the motivation, it gives us the inspiration for living a life with the right motives. Don't you think? Don't you think that if the God of the universe can come like He came, that ought to give us motivation for serving others? I mean, if God can do that, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the, of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went into their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn. If anyone deserves praise for their actions, don't you think it's the God of the universe who decided to leave glory and come down here and take on human flesh and live like us only to die on the cross for our sins? Notice the specific way in which he came. You know, he didn't come in a castle somewhere as a king. He didn't come in a holy temple as this high priest to put on a show. He came in the form of a baby in a stinky barn filled with farm animals. Clearly, Jesus' motives were not for recognition. They were not for praise. His motivation was love. And the very reason we celebrate during Christmas is because of this divine act of humility where Jesus chose to lower Himself so that we could be promoted to be with Him for all of eternity. He set the example for us. And we are invited to to follow that example. And so our motivation should be Jesus, right? That should be our motivation. An ugly Christmas sweater at a Christmas party is designed to do one thing, right? It is designed to draw attention to ourselves, right? That's why people started doing it in the first place. They would show up in this ugly Christmas sweater to draw attention to themselves, and then all of a sudden it became a thing, and now people think that ugly Christmas sweaters are actually kind of cool. Some do, all right? So some don't. But, but when Jesus is our motivation, there should be this deep desire within us to want to draw attention to him. And so when we serve others, it becomes easy for us to say, hey, the reason why I'm serving, the reason why I did this, I don't want any recognition. The reason why I'm doing this is because Jesus loves you. Jesus served me first. He served us first. So I want to serve you. And when we love others around us, it's easier for us to say we're doing this because Jesus first loved us. When we totally get it, when we get to the point where we put Jesus first in our lives, take the spotlight off of ourselves and place it on our Savior, make Him the true hero of the story, not us. He is our true motive. 
There's a powerful story of motivation that comes from the sports world. Some of you have probably heard it. Uh, Notre Dame football star George Gipp. It took place back in the 20s. George could do it all. He could run. He could pass. He could punt. He could do everything. He had unparalleled skill. The 1920 season established Gipp as a football star, but on December 14, 1920, young George Gipp died of pneumonia. But thanks to college football stories and a movie, which former President Ronald Reagan portrayed Gipp, the story of George Gipp lives on. November 10th, 1928, so it's about eight years after Gipp had passed away, Notre Dame and Army are playing one another. They're tied at halftime. They're in a struggle for victory. And Newt Rockney, who is a very well-known coach, a famous coach for Notre Dame, told of being at Gipp's bedside a few years before that game had taken place. And Rockney recalled how George Gipp feebly said, sometimes, Rock, when the team is up against it, when things are going wrong and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go in there with all they've got and win just one for the Gipper. And so the Notre Dame football team was motivated by that halftime speech and it inspired them to go out and win the second half and win the ball game. Now, as Christians, our motivation for living a life of loving service a life focused on others is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice motivates us to sacrifice for others. Or at least it should. If it doesn't, then we're not doing something right. If His sacrifice at Calvary does not motivate you to sacrifice for other people, there's a disconnect somewhere. The Bible teaches us in Colossians 3.22, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. We're not out to impress other people. We, 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 we're out to impress our Savior. We're out to serve Him. We're out to get people impressed with Jesus. He is our motive. He is our reward for doing the right thing. So I urge you, no more ugly motives this Christmas. Allow Jesus to guide your words, guide your actions, no matter how tempted we might be to be self-centered. Because here's the deal, and I think this is what it boils down to sometimes. We think it's a competition. But it's not. The, the, the Christian walk is not a competition. One of the reasons I think we find ourselves fighting against ugly motives is because we find ourselves oftentimes in competition for the attention and for the accolades. We find ourselves even in competition with other people in the church. And this makes absolutely no sense to me why Christians would want to compete for the attention of other people within the church when he's told us just to go out and serve him. I read an anonymous quote this week. I love it. It said, spiritual gifts are given not for competition, but for cooperation. Right? They're given so that we can have unity in the body of Christ. And when, the, when there's competition within the body of Christ, or there's competition among other churches even, it's not a pretty thing in the eyes of the Lord. He doesn't like it at all. And we need to do a better job of understanding that. We need to do a better job of understanding, guys, that in the end, we all win if we're in Christ. Why are we competing with one another? 
If we're in Jesus, we all win. I think rivalry, and it's good. I love sports rivalries. I mean, there are just some teams that I love to hate. Can I get an amen? There was a football game last night. I'm not going to bring it up, but the, the, you know, there was a football game last night that there's one team on the other side that I know the Bible says you're not supposed to hate anybody, right? But if that ever changes, I got my team picked out, right? And that's, that's the Wayne Smith quote, okay? And so um, you can understand that rivalry is okay in sports and that sort of thing, but listen, um, it should have no place in the heart of a Christian toward another Christian. Amen? And Paul speaks about this in, 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 in a passage that uh, I want to share with you. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And so, apparently there was something going on in the church, there was rivalry, there was competition within the church, uh, it wasn't some kind of new issue that just kind of popped up, something was going on, and, and when we find that in our churches, it, it's not some kind of new issue, it's, it's been happening all the way back to the early days of the church, and it has continued on because we have these selfish desires, and James addresses it too, he says, what causes the fights and quarrels among you, what is it? It's the selfish desires that you have. All of the fights that we have is because we're selfish. And Paul knew that there was this desire with people in the church to want to try to one-up the other person. People wanted to be first. Even the disciples, they're talking to Jesus. They've got the Son of God in their presence. And they're wondering who's going to be first. Can I sit at your right? Can I sit at your left? You know, even mom gets in on the picture on that one. That's great when mom gets involved in stuff like that, right? You know? Um, Paul knew that there was this desire, there was this temptation within each and every one of us where we want to compete for some reason. Instead, we ought to be out there cheering one another on. We should be pushing each other toward greatness in Christ. We should be encouraging one another in love. And when I'm motivated to honor Jesus first and then honor people around me second, that's when we all start to win. So, stop living like an ugly Christmas sweater, if you will, right? Now, I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you some homework. Everybody good with homework? You students who are in here who wish you were in children's church right now and you thought that you weren't going to have any homework this week because it's the last week of school, guess what? Sorry about your luck. You've got homework, all right? Here it is. It's easy, though. I want you to go out and I want you to choose one person to do something kind for as a way of honoring Jesus. Honor them, okay? And do it anonymously to the best of your ability, Choose something, do something in a way that blesses them and do your best not to let them know that it was you and allow your motivation for service to be Jesus rather than for recognition. Just this past week, I know of someone who, they approached me a couple of weeks ago, actually approached someone in our church through an email and, and wanted to know if there was someone that we knew of that uh, could use a, 
a minivan. He felt that God had given it to a family a few years ago and he wanted to give it back to God by blessing a family with a minivan. And we thought of someone that could really use it. And I got to tell you, it's pretty awesome to be able to watch someone become speechless because someone has done something so kind for them. Not only did they give them the minivan, and it, and it was a used minivan, okay? And it needed new windshield wipers, and it needed a bath. And the guy felt bad about that. And so he also gave this person $300 cash for windshield wipers <clears throat> and anything else they might need. What a blessing. And I have that picture on my phone. I'm not going to share it with you because this person doesn't want everyone to know, so I'll delete it at some point, but it's a pretty cool memory. And it doesn't have to be anything as big as that. It doesn't have to be anything as extravagant as that, but it can be. Maybe God has blessed you in that way. You know, the early church, when they saw people in need, you know what they did? They sold their possessions. And they gave to people as they had need. And so that's your homework. Do something kind for someone. Again, doesn't have to be big. I don't know how God might be leading you. It might be, you know of a young couple in your life that maybe lives in your neighborhood or maybe you know through school or through work or whatever and maybe they've got a new baby and they they are they never get to go do anything because they're, they, maybe they don't have any family around and, and uh Maybe you could call them up and say, listen, here's a gift card for the movie theater. Here's a gift card for dinner. And I'm going to babysit your child. You and your wife go out. It could be you know of uh, someone that needs help. Maybe just wrapping Christmas presents. It could be maybe that you know an older person that needs some things for the store, but the way everything's going with COVID and they're just afraid to go out and they don't know how to use the internet or curbside pickup to order, maybe you could say, hey, is there anything I can go get you? For? And that's hard to do anonymously, I know. But if you can't do it anonymously, make sure you point to people that, that know Jesus. Now, those are some examples. You know, maybe you know of a, preacher that could use a new sweater or something you know I, I don't know what it is sit no I'm just, don't no 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 don't do that please just use your brain look around you see the needs in the lives of people and get after it all for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus that's the whole reason he came down was to give us the opportunity to go to heaven with him I love that line in the song, uh, what a beautiful name. He didn't want heaven without you, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. Isn't that an incredible line in a song? Jesus is a beautiful, wonderful, powerful name that can save you from your sins. 
And maybe some of you need that today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never confessed Him as the Son of God, you've never repented of your sins or been baptized into Him, we encourage you to make that decision right now and understand that that is just the beginning. That's not the end. That is just the beginning of an incredible relationship. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to come and work in your life, you're going to be amazed at how putting Jesus first and serving others can absolutely change your life. Start living your life out of love for Him and love for other people. And so if you have a decision to make like that, we encourage you to come. Maybe you're watching online today and you need to make a decision, and, and, but you have some questions, would you text the word READY to the connection number that's on the screen, and we'll get back with you as soon as possible, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Or maybe you're out there today, and you just have some things you want to talk about, but you're not ready to publicly come forward yet. You can use that church connection number too. Just send the word READY to us, and we'd love to get with you to talk uh, about surrendering your life to Jesus. And, living a life for Him. Let's pray together.